Greetings in Jesus' name. I'm Bishop Chester Wright, and this is the video teaching series, Praying in the Spirit. And this is part one of that series, which is learning to pray in the Spirit. And this is lesson number three of part one. And we're going to be, just to further establish that on the day of Pentecost, they were speaking in languages and that every subsequent occasion where people are speaking in languages, we're going to look at what they were saying uh, in in speaking in tongues to prove uh, that these were not just some ecstatic utterances that no one uh, should be able to understand, not just whatever, not just noise, not, not just sounds, but a literal language. Uh, 1 Corinthians 13.1 says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. The Amplified Classic Edition says, And if I can speak in tongues of men or even of angels, but have not love, that reasoning, intentional, spiritual devotion, such as is inspired by God's love for us and in us, I am only a noising noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. But the point here is the Spirit specifically said that those that are speaking in tongues are speaking either in natural languages that they're supernaturally empowered with utterance to speak, or they're speaking in heavenly languages uh, that no man on earth understands. And I I'm assuming in all the time that I've spoken in tongues over the years that I have done some of both of those, uh, but the Lord has never seen fit to tell me, oh, that's a, that's a, that's a heavenly language. No, nope, that's an earthly one. Now, there are times that I'm praying that I recognize when I'm praying that I am praying in a language that kind of sounds like ones I have heard on occasion. Uh, I have had the privilege of preaching on every continent except Australia. And so I've heard a lot of different languages in my life. I'm certainly no expert in any of them, but I know this one thing that, uh, that, that you know, the, the languages that uh, men are speaking, I, I know of people <coughs> who have spoken in, in many, many different languages. Uh, one of the most unique situations that I've ever heard of uh, was Sister Nona Freeman, who with her husband was a, a missionary to, to uh, Africa, especially the southern part of Africa for decades, uh, was preaching in one of our churches in Louisiana. It was a large church, and uh, she preached, and they, there was an altar service, and people had come to the front to receive the Holy Ghost. And uh, she was walking through the altar and praying for different ones, and uh, she walked by and uh Later, she heard this story that there was this particular lady that she prayed for, uh, that every time the Spirit of the Lord would move on her, she would begin to make strange noises, ticking noises and smacking noises. And the people that were praying with her got very frustrated because they knew she was very close, but she just wouldn't break through in speaking in tongues. And Sister Freeman was walking past as this lady was making these noises, and the people were trying to get her to stop so she could speak in tongues. And she stopped the people. She said, that's the Holy Ghost. She's speaking in tongues. That's a, 
That's the dialect of a, and language of a tribe in the uh, in, in a desert region in southern Africa, and that's their language. And so, even that kind of language, God has spoken through people with. And the problem is, for some of us, when those sounds come, our intellect says that can't be God, and so we stop it because He's not going to force anybody to pray in tongues ever or praise in tongues, ever. It will only be, I only speak in tongues by my willingness to yield to it. But if the sounds don't make sense to me, now I've had the opposite experience. I have studied uh, French, two years of high school French, and two semesters of college French, and I can't speak French today. I would come pretty close to being able to read it, because at the time I could read it pretty well. And could even write in it pretty well, but I couldn't speak it because I don't have an ear for languages. And, uh, I struggle with French and Spanish and some Italian and the other languages where you have to roll the R's. I can't get myself to roll the R's. And to some, that may sound ridiculous because it's so easy for them. I'm sorry. I'm glad it's easy for you. It's not for me. And yet in tongues, I've heard myself many times rolling the R's in such a way that I'm envious of it to a degree because I can't do that with my conscious mind. I can't. I've tried. It just doesn't work for me. But in tongues, the Holy Ghost can roll R's all he wants to because he's given the words. All I'm doing is yielding to him and supplying the voice and and, and the mouth for him to speak through. And so... It's important for you and I to know that when we are praying in the Spirit, we are not just making noise. We're not just saying a bunch of gibberish. My mind may not understand it, but the Spirit is praying through me. So the important thing is here is, again, for us to remember that the word that the Holy Ghost chose to record them receiving the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost, when it says they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance, that that Greek word is not a word that speaks of ecstatic utterances of sounds that make no sense. That's not the case. That Greek word, according to Strong's, means to enunciate plainly, and to declare, and according to Thayer's, it means to speak out, speak forth, pronounce, and according to Thayer's Greek lexicon, it's not a word of everyday speech, uh, meaning it's not a word describing everyday speech, not just ecstatic utterances, it's not even describing everyday speech, it, but one belonging to dignified and elevated discourse. Amen. So on the day of Pentecost, they were speaking in languages that were recognized by those that knew them naturally. And I believe with all of my heart that when I'm praying in tongues to myself or in some prayer meeting or whatever, if someone was present that knew the language that I was praying in, they would be able to tell me what I was saying and it would be perfectly said both in enunciation and also in uh, uh, grammar and that it wouldn't be done in slang. 
Now, I know sometimes we preachers will use slang a little bit just to kind of break the ice or, or we'll use slang just to make a point in everyday speech. But when I'm praying in tongues, I don't talk like that. How do I know that? Because the word of God says I don't talk like that. Now, another thing that's really important for us to understand here is that uh, when we are praying in tongues, we are speaking what God has put in our hearts to say. Now, he is speaking things that are in our hearts, but they're words that we can't put into language because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. And so while I don't know that, I have, I can have the experience and, uh, and, and understand that that is what is happening through me. Now, as a further proof that I'm speaking in a language, I'll tell you quickly two experiences I had back in the nineties, the late, early nineties, I think it was. I was doing a, uh, the, the uh, Bible school graduation in Rio de Janeiro for the nation of Brazil, country of Brazil. And uh, I was there and did three days of seminar on the supernatural and the spirit of God and the gifts of the spirit and how to pray for people and how to help people receive the Holy Ghost and all that uh, to the detail that I could through an interpreter for, uh, I think it was three nights and three days or something like that. And then I preached the, uh, I was the speaker at the Bible school, uh, uh, graduation. But during this, uh, one trip, and it might have been my very first trip. I did that about four or five years in a row. During that first trip, I was on the platform after I'd spoken that day during the seminar session. And, uh, uh, there was a brother that came up and asked myself and brother Franklin Howard, who was the missionary in charge of the Bible school to pray for him. And as I, as we began to pray for him, uh, all of a sudden he said in perfect American English, not British English, but American English, uh, without any regional accent at all. It was pure American English and you, without in, without saying, well, that's from the South or New York or Midwest or Boston or West Coast or whatever. It was perfect. And he was saying, uh, finally you have healed me. Finally you have healed me. Finally, you have healed me. And I, I looked at that and I'm going, well, I've been in Brazil and I've heard Brazilians speak English and every one of them spoke with an accent that were born and raised here. And I said to Brother Howard and I looked at him when I did, his eyes were big and he said, I said, does this man speak English? He said, no, sir. He said, this is his very first time out of his village in the Amazon and, uh, and he's a preacher saved up there. He's been ministering up there, but it's the first time he's been out of the Amazon. And I don't think he's ever heard anybody speak in English before. He was speaking in perfect American English. And then, uh, some years after that, a few years, I was in, uh, Zambia up in Northern part of Zambia and the copper belt, just below the border of Congo, just across the border from Lumbumbashi and uh, uh, we were doing a Holy Ghost crusade there, and uh, I was still trying to do it at that time in the uh, standard uh, traditional way. You preach, you give the altar call, 
they flood the front. Well, that the problem with that was they so crammed the front there was no way to get to them and pray for them. So I stayed on the platform and was and was praying for a little lady to the to my right of the platform. And I can't tell if she was thirty or sixty somewhere in there, but uh, uh, I laid hands on her, began to pray for her to receive the Holy Ghost, and the the uh, there was a. Uh, Zambian brother with me to help me in case I needed to say something to her in her language so to help her receive the Holy Ghost, help her understand how to receive the Holy Ghost. And uh, in a few moments, she began to say, in perfect American English, I heard this and saw this with my own eyes, perfect American English uh, with no regional accent. She said, take me, I'm yours. Take me, I'm yours. Take me, I'm yours. And I heard that and I'm going, okay. And I looked at the Zambian brother and when I did, his eyes were big. I said, brother, does she speak English? He said, oh, no, brother. He said, this is the first time she's ever been out of her village. I don't think she's ever heard English before. Then an amazing brother Howard said almost the same thing as this brother did. He said, she is speaking with tongues. Well, I'd already concluded that. And because I'd heard that brother, that pastor on the platform down in Rio uh, do that, I wasn't surprised at that, but it was amazing to hear somebody. Here was a man who who was a man of God who had the Holy Ghost praying in tongues, confessing what he was needing and that, that God had done it. And yet here's this lady receiving the Holy Ghost that I experienced the same thing with him. So, and, and, and demonstrating again, and I, I'm, I'm just trying to help you to allow the Holy Ghost to give you confidence that when you're praying in tongues, you are not wasting your time praying gibberish. That you are praying, the Holy Ghost is praying through you, and he's praying for things that while your mind doesn't know about them, they're important enough to God for him to pray through you in that language. Whether he is aiding me to worship and praise and glorify him in a way that I can't possibly do with my mind, or he is praying through me for things that need to happen that he wants to do, I am praying in intelligent speech. Jesus' name. So just just for the biblical background of this, let's just look at something a couple of these verses where it actually says they receive the Holy Ghost, and it, it kind of records three different ways uh, what they were saying. So in Acts 2.11, it says, uh, we, we heard them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. So the word hear there means to hear something, to hear with the ear. It wasn't to perceive. It is the, the word that speaks of to be endowed with the faculty of hearing, not death. This is not uh, 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 this is not talking about uh, the, another Greek word that talks about hearing of perceiving what you're hearing of or understanding what you're hearing. When Jesus said, "Take heed how you hear, and take heed what you hear," it wasn't talking about sticking your fingers in your ears so you don't hear anything. He was talking about as a different Greek word that talks about perception and understanding. But in this particular case, we do hear them speak in our languages or tongues the wonderful works of God. 
So they are hearing with the faculty, the physical faculty of hearing. Okay? And the word speak means to utter words, to talk in the Greek. We do hear them utter a voice to speak articulate sounds according to Thayer's. To use words in order to declare one's minor discourse, one's thoughts according to Thayer's. So they were uttering words, not glossolalic sounds according to the terminology used by both, uh, well, one area of Christians and scientists that are studying this. They were preaching, or not preaching, they were praising and praying in languages, articulate languages, as proven by the word tongues. We do hear them speak in our tongues. The Greek word there is glossa, from which they perverted the word glossolalia, meaning uh, ecstatic utterance that makes no sound. Well, that doesn't make sense since the Greek word language it means, according to uh, Strong's, the tongue by implication, a language, specifically a naturally unacquired language. Or one you learned as your native language. Uh, Thayer says the word means, uh, the language or dialect used by particular people distinct from that of other nations. Not noises, not ecstatic utterances, but languages spoken by the inspiration of the Holy Ghost and the empowerment of the Holy Ghost as he gives us the ability to do that. And what were they speaking? The wonderful works of God. The wonderful works of God. And the Greek word, according to Strong's wonderful works there, means magnificent. Magnificent. And it's translated, it's in the the New Testament twice, and it's translated one time, wonderful works, and the other, great things, according to what uh, the Lord said uh, uh, through Mary, uh, Luke chapter 1, verse 49. For he that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name. So Mary was speaking in her language of great things, but on the day of Pentecost, when Mary spoke in other tongues, she was speaking in other tongues the great things or wonderful works of God. It's important to note here, the subject of the discussion of the crowd among themselves was speaking in tongues. And we talked about that from actual Greek scholarship. The United Bible Society Translators Handbook in the last lesson said that when translating uh, uh, second, uh, or Acts chapter 2, verse 17, it had to be noted that, that this, in the this is that, was speaking about speaking in tongues, not receiving the Holy Ghost or not being drunken. So that's very important to understand that uh, the discussion of the crowd was speaking in tongues. We do hear them speak in our languages the wonderful works of God. So when Peter said this is that, this speaking in tongues you hear, this miraculous ability that God has given these these Galileans to speak in languages they don't know and don't understand is a sign of Joel's prophecy coming to pass. Now, let's move along to Cornelius' house. Cornelius was a Roman army officer who had great faith in God. In fact, his faith before being saved 
would arrival many people's uh, arrival more than a lot of people's that uh, that are are saved. He, according to uh, the writing of Luke, that Cornelius was a devout man. He feared God with all of his house. He gave much alms to the people, and he prayed to God always. And God was so anxious for him to have the Holy Ghost, he sent an angel to Cornelius to send. Uh, a, 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 a couple of days journey, I think it was at least, to Joppa where Simon Peter was staying because Simon Peter was given the keys of the kingdom, Acts chapter uh, 16, or Matthew chapter 16. And, and then uh, uh, Peter came back and preached to all of the assembled household of Cornelius. And in just a few minutes of preaching, which was enough to satisfy the word of God, the Holy Ghost pour, interrupted Peter's message and poured the Holy Ghost out on them, and they all spoke with tongues. And I'm reading now, Acts chapter 10, verse 44. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on them which heard the word, and they of the circumcision which believed were astonished as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then answered Peter, Can any bed forbid water? that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we, in the exact same manner in which we did, is what the Greek is literally there. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord, and they prayed. Uh, then prayed they him to tarry certain days. So when the, 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 Peter and the other six uh, men of the circumcision, the Jews, following the law of uh, Moses, they heard these Gentiles receive exactly what they had received on the day of Pentecost. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. The same thing that Jesus poured out upon the, the Jews on the day of Pentecost, which you could see and hear, is the same thing that the seven Jews from Pentecost, the day of Pentecost, could hear and recognize in the Gentiles' house. But what were they saying? The scripture says uh, that they were magnifying God. And the word magnify the Greek, according to Strong's, means to make or declare great, to increase or figuratively to extol. Thayer says it means to make great or magnify, to deem or declare great to esteem highly, to extol, to laud, to celebrate, uh, to get glory and praise. And I need to correct myself uh, uh, when, uh, well, I'll just go on here from here. Luke chapter 1, verse 46, And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord. Because she used the word magnify in verse 46, and she used the uh, word for wondrous, uh, uh, wonderful works in verse 49. And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my, my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior, for he hath regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden. For, he, for behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed, for he, for he that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name. So Mary used both words from the first Jews uh, and the first Gentiles to receive the Holy Ghost to tell of her experience with God 
overshadowing her by the Holy Ghost and conceiving Christ in her. So the Gentiles magnified the Lord when they spoke in tongues. And she said, verse 46 of Luke 1, my soul doth magnify the Lord. And then she said in verse 49, for he that is mighty hath done to me great things or wonderful works that the crowd heard those on the day of Pentecost say. So we see that that the, the crowd in neither case, the, the, the crowd uh, of devout Jews and the seven devout Jews who had the Holy Ghost who came with Peter from Jerusalem, actually by way of Joppa, uh, they received this sign and understood that the people that, re- that, that received the Holy Ghost were speaking languages that could be understood. And then finally, I want to, uh, we'll, we'll use Paul here, uh, in Acts, in, in Acts chapter 19, uh, verse 1, that with the disciples of John the Baptist at Ephesus, uh, and it came to pass that while Apollos was at, at Corinth, Paul having passed through the upper coast came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples, he said unto them, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said unto him, we have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. And he said unto what then were, uh, said unto them, under what then were you baptized? And they said unto John's baptism. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them. How did Paul know that? How did those with Paul know that? And they spake with tongues and prophesied. Now, it's not implying that they prophesied separately from the tongues. They were prophesying as they were speaking in tongues. So what is prophecy? Strong says the word means to speak under inspiration, divine inspiration, uh, which is, of course, what God, the Holy Ghost, giving them utterance meant. It also meant that they would prophesy. And uh, uh, according to uh, Thayer's, which means to break forth under sudden impulse in lofty discourse or praise of the divine counsels. And what is this? In those disciples of John at Ephesus, we see Cornelius or, or Joel's prophecy fulfilled in another dimension. And I read it to you, Acts chapter 2, verse 17. And it shall come to pass in the last day, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens, I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. The Greek word there in both verses 17 and 18, your sons and daughters shall prophesy, and your handmaidens, your servants and handmaidens shall prophesy. That word prophesy is the exact same Greek word used in Acts 19 and verse 6. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, 
they spake, spake, the Holy Ghost came on them and they spake with tongues and prophesied. So here is them speaking in languages that were profitable for them to speak in. Speaking in tongues is profitable. We'll talk about that in additional lessons as we move further into this. The purpose of these lessons is to help you to to trust the word of God and trust what God is doing in your spirit, that in praying in tongues, praying in the spirit, that you are truly doing that which is the will of God and you're doing that which is beneficial and edifying to you on a level and to a degree that is beyond what you can do from a totally natural perspective, even if you're saying words the Holy Ghost is giving you to say in the language of your mind. God bless you. I loose the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him and his works and his ways upon you and I, that we might see and know, understand, and have the wisdom to be able to participate and cooperate with and utilize all the things that God has supplied for us to be a part of his kingdom and for the glory of his name. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. God bless you.